James chapter 1, and this morning we'll be looking at, especially at verses 22 through verse 25, but I want to begin reading at verse 19 and read through verse 25. So James chapter 1, beginning at verse 19, once again listen now to the reading of God's holy word. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Let's seek the Lord's blessing on this, His holy word. O gracious God in heaven, we, Father, we just praise you and thank you for your word. And we just thank you for its truth that it is our only infallible rule for faith and life. And as we come to this passage this morning, a rich and challenging passage, we pray that your spirit would truly, even now, not only open our ears and our hearts, but our minds to hear and to understand and to receive your truth and that your word would truly go forth and it would find within each of our hearts that rich fertile soil which will bring about a great and abundant fruit for your glory. Not only as we would hear your word and receive it, but as we're challenged to be doers of your word. And so we pray now for your blessing upon your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So, Father was going away on a business trip. And he thought it would be a great idea to have his children and to give them something to work on uh, while he was gone, something that they could maybe build together and then uh, not only enjoy during that time that he was gone, but also for many years afterward. And he also thought that this project might actually, uh, one, help them uh, keep them out of trouble. It might help them to keep complaining to their mother the whole time, we're bored and we don't have anything to do. And perhaps... He was hopeful that as they were working on this project, they would even think of him and be reminded of his love for them as they eagerly anticipated his return. And so he went out and he purchased all the materials that they would need to build a playset in the backyard. And he was confident that they would be able to put it all together as most of the pieces just snapped together. Then on the day that he was to leave, he took the children to the backyard where he laid out all the materials that they needed and he handed the children the assembly instruction manual and he said to them, now read this carefully 
and pay attention to every step. There are illustrations to help you, and, and there's even a phone number here to call, or there's a website that you can look up if you have any questions or if you run into any problems. He even further encouraged them. It might seem like a lot, and it's going to, to stretch your abilities, but I'm confident that you're up for this challenge. And with that, he said goodbye, and then he went on his way. Well, the children were very eager to get started, and so they began reading the instruction manual. And they followed his, their father's advice, and they carefully reviewed every step. They studied the illustrations, and when there was something that they didn't understand, they called the phone number, they even went and they looked up a few videos on YouTube so they could see how things were done. Well, then when the father returned, he was greeted at the door by his wife, who told him that the children were eagerly waiting for him in the backyard. And as you can imagine, the father walked around to the backyard. As he walked, he, his heart began to swell with pride, thinking to himself, I can't wait to see what they've done. But as he came around the corner of the house, he was totally unprepared for the sight that he saw. His children were there standing, standing proudly with these huge smiles on their faces. And behind them were all the pieces to the playset laid out just as the father had left them. Now he was obviously pretty perplexed by this. And he said, what happened? Where's the playset? What did you do all this time? Didn't you read the instruction manual? Well, the children all excitedly said, well, yes, we did. We read it. We read it every day and we studied it. We looked at it carefully. We even memorized several of the steps. It was great fun. And the father, again, puzzled. Why didn't you build the playset? And the children, somewhat astonished, built it? You mean you actually wanted us to build this thing? Wow, sorry, Dad. We thought you just said to study the manual, and so that's all we did. Now, sadly, this little illustration describes how many people approach the Bible and even their own faith in Christ. See, God's Word is given to us as an instruction manual of sorts, revealing to us how we're to live our lives and how we're to please God in all that we do. But many people are only content with reading it and hearing it taught and preached, even studying it intently and memorizing it, but they neglect actually applying it to their lives and doing something with what they have learned and heard. And this is precisely the issue that James addresses in our passages this morning as he challenges his readers to not only hear and receive the word of God, but to actually apply it in their lives and actually become doers of the word. For it's by doing the word that they'll not only be blessed, but they also will be a great blessing. 
But as we begin, I, I want to re-emphasize the importance of what's come just before this, what we considered last week, that James has been focused on the Word of God. In verse 19, he urged to be swift to hear God's Word. And then in verse 21, the Word which had already been implanted in them, he said they must be received continually with all meekness and humility. And so James was challenging them to carefully hear and receive God's Word so that they might grow in their faith and understanding. Hearing and receiving the Word of God on a regular basis is certainly critical to our spiritual growth. And the Bible is spiritual food which we need to feast upon daily. Think about it. If we don't eat food for our bodies, well, we're not going to be nourished and ultimately we're not going to, to grow Well, likewise, if we don't spend time each day reading God's Word, and if we don't sit under the regular preaching and teaching of God's Word, we won't grow spiritually. Our faith is going to be stunted. And we'll have little understanding about who God is, and what He's done, and what He has called us to do. And so we have to be on guard then uh, against the many distractions that are going to pull our minds and our hearts away from God's Word that will prevent us from hearing and receiving it. And as we remembered last week, that it takes effort and it takes due diligence as we strive to take in this blessed spiritual nourishment that God has so graciously given to us in His Word. Hearing and receiving God's Word are, of course, necessary For our salvation. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 10. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he continues. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Then he concludes in verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We must hear and receive the gospel in order to be saved. But as we noted, we must also continually hear and receive the gospel, the word of God regularly in order to grow in grace and knowledge of God's truth, in order to to press on in sanctification so we become more and more like Christ in holiness. And so hearing and receiving the word are most critical. They're necessary for our salvation, but they're also necessary for our continued growth in grace. But, they're not the only thing, things which are necessary for us to live faithful lives in Christ. And James makes this clear in verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, though it's important... And again, even critical and and essentially necessary to hear and receive the word. That's not all. We must also be doers of the word. And so there's this logical connection, not merely implied, but but commanded here. Hearing the gospel preached and taught leads to the Spirit of God working in our hearts in order to receive it and, and transforming us according to its message. And again, this is not just initially when we're saved, although it's critical and essential for our salvation, but we also need this continually through our walk of faith. 
that we should nourish our souls with the Word of God regularly, even daily. But again, we must also then seek to not just hear it and receive it, but we must also seek to apply the Word that we hear and receive by faith to our everyday lives. That is, we must do what it calls us to do. We must keep ourselves from doing what it tells us not to do. And we must trust in the grace of God to give us the strength each day to let His Word truly take root in our lives and transform our lives, even transforming the way that we think and the way that we speak and the way that we live. And this is what being a doer of God's Word is all about. It's in being doers of God's Word that we demonstrate even our love to God. Right? Remember uh, the words of Jesus in John uh, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Right? He didn't just say, listen to what I say and receive it as truth. I mean, He said that, and they needed to do that, but that's not the only thing He, he said. He said that you must also do what I say. You must obey my commands. You must follow my lead. And so like the father who gave his children the instruction manual, we're to read and study God's word carefully, yes. But it's given to us so that we might also put it into action. So that we might do what it says. And so that we might build our faith and that we might bear fruit to the glory of God. And friends, God is serious about this. Look what James says in verse 22. If you're a hearer only and not a doer as well of God's Word, if you're a hearer of God's Word but then not a doer, he says then you deceive yourself or you delude yourself. You deceive yourself into thinking that being a Christian is only about hearing and receiving the gospel when there's certainly much more. You only have half the information. To rightly, though, be called a disciple of Jesus Christ, you must be a doer of His Word, a follower of His example, and an obeyer of His commands. Now, there are many who call themselves Christians who who so deceive themselves this way. They believe you only have to hear the Word and that this is sufficient for what God wants for them, only to hear Him. And so they come to church, even faithfully, week after week, and they sit and they listen to the preaching and the teaching of God's Word, and they, they leave, and on the way out they say, well, thanks for the sermon, Pastor. But then they step outside the building And once they do, what they've heard is gone. And they just go about their living their lives as if nothing had happened in the previous hour. They did their duty, right? They put in their time, and that was enough. They went and they heard the word. Well, these deceive themselves into thinking that what was all God desired of them. Now, others might even go one step further and they hear the gospel preached, and they receive it, and they will even rejoice that they've been saved. And, and maybe they attended a revival meeting, and they were moved by a swell of emotions, and by the music, and all the, the things that are used today to manipulate people's 
emotions and responses at such things. And they walk down that aisle. Or perhaps someone shares the gospel with them when they're at a particular low point and they, they repeat the sinner's prayer and they, they sign the tract. This is when I said this prayer. And they date it. And they give thanks. Because there's a sense of relief and, and they've been forgiven of their sins. But that's where they stop. They make no other commitment. Maybe they attend a church if they have nothing else to do, but they really see no obligation. And, and what's worse, they call themselves Christians, and yet they live their lives no differently from those who don't know Christ. This often happens with what they call the easy believism of our day. And people just make a profession, they have a, a conversion experience, and yet they aren't discipled. They aren't uh, taught the precepts and the doctrines of God's Word. They, they come to believe that they can continue in sin without having to make any changes in their lives. Because after all, grace abounds. And Jesus has forgiven them. But the Apostle Paul would have something strong, some strong words to say to them. Even as he does to the Romans when they say, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And so we deceive yourselves because though you've heard and claimed to receive the Word of God, they haven't submitted themselves to it. And they haven't obeyed it. And so there's a false sense of security and assurance. And again, this deception is critical. Because if they aren't doing the Word of God, well then there's no evident fruit in their lives. And if there's no fruit, well then it just might be that they actually never truly heard or even sincerely received the Word in the first place. And so their salvation is truly in question. And the danger, again, is, is that they might falsely think that they're okay when they're not. And they just might be like that unprofitable profitable servant who Jesus tells the parable about who buried the talent that the master had given him. And when the master returned and he found that the servant did nothing with the talent, he took the talent away and he gave it to someone else. And then Jesus summarizes that parable with these very strong words in Matthew 25, <clears throat> verse 29. For to, to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And then he's specifically referring to the parable. He says, And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Those who profess to hear and receive the gospel have been given a great treasure. But instead of just hearing and receiving it, we ought to be diligent in doing the word 
so that there's great and abundant fruit in our lives to the glory of God. We're called to bear fruit. And we can only bear that fruit when we are in Christ, when we are, after we have heard and received the Word. But if we don't bear fruit, Jesus says that He will cut that branch off and cast it into the fire. Well, James goes on in verses 23 and 24 to give an illustration of the problem at stake here. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now, mirrors at the time of James were basically uh, polished uh, pieces of, of fine metal, like a silver or, or gold or even brass. And though perhaps they weren't as crisp and clear as, as our uh, glass mirrors, they really accomplish the same task. Now, of course, unless you're looking in a carnival mirror, mirrors typically don't lie. And they reveal all the imperfections of our, of our face and appearance, much to our dismay. But, even if you're perfectly beautiful, and you get up in the morning, and you go and you look in the mirror, and you look at yourself... And you see, again, all those imperfections clearly revealed. And that's what a mirror does. It helps us to see what we need to brush, what we need to shave, or, or do our best to cover over. And so what good would a mirror be if you looked into it, saw what needed to be done, and then said, well, that's interesting, and then just stepped away without doing anything to, to correct the issue. But not only that, once you stepped away from the mirror, you completely forget what you had just seen and you go about living your lives as if there was nothing wrong with your appearance. Now, I understand there may be some times when you roll out of bed and you just go. But most people will look in the mirror and they want to make themselves presentable before they go out in public. But of course, James isn't concerned here with one's physical appearance. And so what's the comparison that he's making here with hearing and not doing the Word? Well, clearly the Word of God is like a mirror. And when we look into it, hearing it and studying it, we see our natural face. Now what's interesting here is that the word natural is actually the word Genesis. Like the first book of the Bible. right? It's the mirror reveals our original face. The face that we were born with. And spiritually, of course, this would be our sin nature. We look into the mirror of God's Word and we see our sin. We see our need for a Savior. We see our helplessness to save ourselves. We see that the wages of sin is, is death and eternal condemnation. We see in the Word that our only hope is in God's grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. But in the Word, we also see the glory of God. We see the provision that He's made for sinners in Christ. We see once for all peace and reconciliation with God through Christ's perfect sacrifice. We see the forgiveness of the cross and we see the victory of the resurrection that gives us sure and certain hope. We see what we shall be one day and we see what we're called to be even now in this life. 
to amazed, awed, and even joyfully thankful for all these things that we see. We see them. But if we're hearers only of the word and not doers, well then as soon as we step away from the mirror of the word, we're going to forget who we are. We forget the kind of person we are. We forget that we're undeserving sinners headed for eternal death. We forget what God in Christ has done for us. We forget that He redeemed us and has saved us. We forget that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're now servants of God Most High. We forget that He's called us to live our lives in conformity to His Word and to do all that we do for His glory, honor, and praise. We forget all these things because we've only heard the word and we haven't made the commitment to actually do the word. But instead of concluding this metaphor with the mirror imagery, James goes right to the point of application in verse 25 to show us how we become blessed doers of the word. He says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now note first how how James suddenly makes a transition from the word of verse 22 and 23 to the law. Now some contend that James is making a major shift in his thinking from the broader sense of God's word to specifically the law. And given that his audience is made up primarily of Jewish Christians, this may be the case, but it's not necessarily so. James seems to be using here word and law interchangeably to refer to the whole body of of God's revelation, especially as it's been revealed and fulfilled in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see this and that he refers to the law as the perfect law. Now this reminds us of Psalm 19, right? Which describes the great blessing of God's law, His Word, and what it's able to do for us. In Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. And then note, especially in the context of James chapter 1, Psalm 19, verse 11. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. In keeping the law, in doing the word, there is great reward, as James will soon confirm. But note also that James describes the law as the law of liberty. Now to some this is an oxymoron. Right? That is people don't often think of the law as, as being something related to liberty and freedom. Right? They see as law as being restrictive, as, as something that's forced and preventing them from enjoying the fullness of life. Now certainly law can be abused and misused this way. And as we see in governments all around the world uh, in the past and also in the present, 
the law is being used oftentimes as a club to, to beat people down and to restrict their freedoms and liberty. And sometimes we even see this kind of abuse in the church as the traditions of men are taught as the laws and commandments of God. But God's law is perfect and pure. It's true that it will, it will convict and it will condemn the unrighteous, unrighteous but, but for those who hear and receive the gospel by faith, to them the law and the word of God becomes the way in which we demonstrate our gratitude to God for all that he's done for us in Christ. Again, we noted before, Jesus declares that if you love me, we need to keep his commands. We need to keep his law. Not securing his love, but to show our love to him, we obey him. We show our love and our gratitude to God by obeying his law and keeping his commandments and doing what he has given us in his word to do. And the great blessing is that this isn't restrictive or forced upon us by compulsion. Again, but because of the perfect righteousness of Christ and what he accomplished for us, we're enabled to obey God's law and to do the word and we're finally then free to live and serve him as we were first created to do. But we're now free to glorify God in all that we do because of what Christ has done for us. And so the perfect law of God is truly a law of liberty because it frees us to do what we've been created to do. And in this law, in God's word, we're to continue in it or abide in it. That is, we're to obey it and we're to do it. And James begins in verse 25, he, 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 begins, he speaks of one, of one who looks into the perfect law. That is one who, who studies and examines it, right? Or as he used before, looking into that mirror. Well, we study and examine the word. And we hear it and we receive it by faith, sincerely and truly. And, and yet this one follows through and continues in it. Right? He doesn't walk away and forget, but he abides in it. The word continues in or abide, it's an important word and has the general meaning of of remaining near or or beside. And so it's it's like sticking close to or, or following or obeying. But the root of the word also has the sense of not just being near, but actually dwelling in or living in. And so we must continually... Not just a one and done kind of thing, but we must continually live in, stick close to, abide in, and obey God's word. This is what James is saying of this one who will be blessed. And again, as we think about this, as we read this, we may think of Psalm 1. And James may have that in his, in his uh, thoughts as he's writing, guided by the Spirit. The blessed man who delights in the Word of God, not only studying and meditating on it day and night, but actually living it out in his life. And then, of course, the result then is that he prospers and he bears fruit like a tree that's planted by streams of water. And so again, it's likely that James, though, isn't only thinking of this imagery of Psalm 1, but also the words of Jesus, which paints a very similar picture. In John 15, verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Jesus is making the point there that abiding in Christ is abiding in his word. And note again the the fruit-bearing imagery. Because it's only by abiding in Christ that we can obey His Word, and only by abiding in Christ and His Word, dwelling in them, sticking close to them, conforming our lives to them, are we able to bear fruit to the glory of God. And fruit is the blessed result of not only hearing and receiving, but also doing the Word of God. James says this one will be blessed in what he does. Now this blessing is is actually a threefold blessing. Right? It's a blessing to the doer of the word, right? As the one who hears, who receives, and also does the word of God and obeys it in the grace of God, they'll be blessed with spiritual growth and prosperity. Again, thinking back to Psalm one and the, that that tree uh, planted by the waters. They'll be firmly planted, well-rooted, and even in times of trial and struggle, even in times of drought, they will still be able to prosper in faith and bear fruit because they've heard, they've received, and they're faithful doing God's Word. And so it's a blessing to the one who, who truly hears. But it's also a blessing for others who will actually benefit from the doing. Right? Is the, that is, the doing of the Word involves not only making changes in our own lives, striving to conform how we live to the standard of Christ and His Word, but doing the Word also involves ministry to others. Right? For in His Word, Christ calls us to love one another, to serve one another, to, to share one another, with one another, to share one another's burdens, and as we'll deal with next time, even caring for one another, and especially caring for the fatherless and widow. When we do what Christ calls us to do in His Word, not only will we be blessed, but we will be a blessing to those whom we're ministering to. And then the third blessing of being a doer of the Word belongs to our God and Savior. And God has given to us His divinely inspired instruction manual for a reason. Yes, He he wants us to read His Word. He wants us to study it. He wants us to meditate on it and even memorize it. And yes, He wants us to receive it not only in our minds, but also in our hearts where the Spirit of Christ will use it to change and, and transform our lives, making us new creatures in Christ. But God has also given us His Word, His perfect holy law liberty, so that we might do it. And by being doers of His Word, we might be faithful witnesses to Him, and we might bring all glory, honor, and praise to Him in all that we do. Remember, our chief purpose and goal in life, the reason that we were created, was so that we might glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Well, we do this when we become faithful doers of His Word. And so, beloved of God, when your faithful hearers, receivers, and doers of God's Word, 
you most reflect the image of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The one who himself delighted in obeying God's commands and doing His Word, even to the point of dying on the cross for our sins, so that He might secure our salvation and the gift of eternal life. And so, beloved, be challenged then to show your love and gratitude to God for such a great and glorious salvation and strive in His grace to not only be faithful hearers and receivers of God's Word, but to be faithful doers of His Word to the glory of God alone. Let's pray. O Lord God in heaven, Father, we just praise You and thank You for the challenge that You lay before us and we have heard and we trust that by Your Spirit we have received Your Word and we ask that You would give us the grace and the wisdom and the strength to be doers of Your Word. To even go forth from these, this place to, to serve. To serve one another and to serve others. To be faithful witnesses as we live out our lives according to the truth of Your Word and what You revealed. That our lives would be changed and transformed as we daily go to battle with our own sin nature. That we do the Word when we turn away from sin and cling to Christ. When we put off the old ways and put on the new. When we seek to minister to one another and love one another and serve one another and Love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, may we truly be these kinds of faithful doers. And that through that witness, we pray that you would use us as a faithful body of your people to be a a true beacon of light and hope in this community. And sadly, we are much aware, and maybe even some of us struggle with this ourselves, where we just hear your word and we receive it, or at least it appears we receive it, but we don't do it. And we know that there are many around us who do just that. This cultural Christianity in which we're submerged in. They're deceived. And we can be deceived. And so we just pray, Lord, that you would help us to declare this truth. And that even by our, our own example of, of doing your word, that we would see many to see the errors of their way to challenge them to not only hear and receive, but to do Your Word for Your glory and for Your honor and Your praise. Father, we pray that You would uh, truly bless us in this way, that Your Spirit would draw us close to Yourself and apply these truths to our hearts, all for Your praise and Your glory and Your honor. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.